The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. Everybody, welcome to the Prussman Hour. This is so exciting. Um, so this is going to be a special episode. Um, I have it's just me and a guest, and this guest is an empath. Um, and I always say I'm an empath, and she's going to explain more about what that exactly is. But um, basically, um, I feel energy. I always say I do, and people think I'm crazy. Um, and um, it affects me physically. It affects it affects me emotionally. It um it definitely um it definitely has an effect on my health. So uh I'm gonna have a guest on that we're gonna talk about why my energetic field is messed up. And you guys are like, she's Stacy's crazy. No, I'm not. I'm just uh kind of uh I've always known that and I have psychic abilities and people that know me know that and I'm not saying that like I'm psychic and I can predict your future, but I'm saying that I do have these like feelings about people and stuff like that. So, um, I am going to call the empath now and she's going to explain more about what the deal is about that stuff. So I'll further ado, um, we're going to be calling Morgan Lynn and this is like a little special episode since I missed a week or two. So we're giving you this. And I know some people are interested in this stuff. Some people aren't, but just listen, enjoy. Okay, here we go. We're calling her. Hello. Hello, Morgan. How are you? Good. How are you? Welcome to the Pressman Hour. This is a very different type of episode. Usually we're just making politically incorrect jokes, but um, I don't want to mess up what you do, so I want you to explain it to my listeners. And I always tell them I'm an empath as well, not a very uh, trained empath, and my energy's all over the place, but I wanted to introduce them to you who is very honed in on your empath skills and psychic abilities. So I wanted you to kind of talk about exactly what you do and what an empath is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me start with a little bit about what I do. Okay. I am a psychic empath. So in other words, I take the information that I feel and I get information about a person. Um, so what that means to me is when I connect to a person I feel what I feel about them and I relay that information over to them so that they understand what they're feeling. Because a lot of the times empaths don't understand that they're feeling something that's out of character for themselves. Okay. So when I get to relay it back to them, it, it gives them the sense of something is going on. So for instance, um, with me <laughs> a little bit, we were talking about, I was, um, feel getting sick a lot, like, the last, mm-hmm. and you know, and we, we're talking specifically about 
certain things that were in my energetic field and like, you know, was it just, am I getting germs? Am I get you know, am I like just my resistance is low? So that's kind of what I think, um, we were talking about and that I think some people also have empath empathetic abilities and they're not honed. And mm -hmm. I, and, and when my empathetic abilities work, they usually, when I know I'm in control of a situation. Right. And, um, so I think most of the people who are listening probably aren't too familiar with this type of stuff. Maybe they are. Some are, I know some I are, some aren't, but like, let's do empath for dummies right now. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely i'll break it down really easily empaths are people that feel their surroundings and so what that means is they have a tendency to pick up on other people's emotions especially if they're in large crowds or big gatherings they can easily get overwhelmed primarily because we call empaths the psychic sponges they are sucking in everybody's energies without even knowing it it's innate. It's natural. They can't really help that. That's going to happen. So the best an empath can do is learn how to not absorb it, but borrow it and let it pass through them. It, it's a skill building thing. But that's essentially what an empath does is they're just walking around feeling everything around them. Right. And they're not necessarily sensitive people all the time either. They could be somebody that's mm -mm. kind of hardened and kind of a jerk and still be an empath correct? Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not necessarily, it doesn't denote their emotional level or, or their ability to show emotion. It really is just, for me, it goes beyond emotions. An empath is sensing frequencies. They're sensing the vibrational frequency of their area. A lot of that just happens to be emotional. And a lot of people do have, a lot of people are empath, empathetic or empaths and, mm -hmm. um, they may not be aware of it, obviously. And they might be going into a situation. It's kind of like when you're in a room and you get a bad vibe. I mean, that's right. Right. Yeah. You can walk into a room and you can go, oh, no, I don't need to be here or I don't want to talk to that person or something's wrong with you. So you're different. What's going on? And even if the person's going, no, no, I'm fine. Everything's OK. You're going, uh, no, no, something's up. I, I can feel something is up, even though your face tells me everything is OK. Well, I sometimes are in those situations and I don't. Like you said, you were a bullshit caller outer, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. When we, were, we first spoke, <laughs> Morgan's like, I call out bullshit in two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> practically speaking, I mean, that could help with business and dating and, you know, everyday life, obviously. But, uh, in, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't realize sometimes like a good salesperson versus, you know, or a bad salesperson or somebody in business that's trying to buy something, you know, both ends, like they could basically tell in their like material world, what is bullshit and what's not by the person. Yeah. The frequency will, I'm um, so sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. The frequency will wash over the empath. And even though the, the, the face of the person delivering whatever they're saying looks genuine, their body language can look genuine. The frequency washes over the empath and they don't match. I hear what you're saying, but I feel what I feel. That's bullshit. Well, the problem I think what people have with a lot of stuff is like you get these feelings, right? But in the material world or in the, you know, the, the world of out spirit or, you know, the, the mm -hmm. unfeeling world is there's no proof that something's wrong. Like I've been in situations right. where there's like, show me proof. Like I have a friend that just, I have a friend right now going through something and he's like, I feel something's wrong. 
and I keep looking for it, but I can't find the the specific thing. So I'm gonna keep looking and looking, and like I I can't, I know it's in this area specifically that there's something wrong, but I can't necessarily um, find the proof. So that's the frustrating part, I believe. Like when you have these feelings, is to just to be like, mm-hmm. I don't feel good about this, or something feels off, but I don't have any proof. In the in the, like I don't see it or I don't you know in in the material world that we live in. So how does someone get over that and just accept, you know? And then you doubt yourself because it's like, well, the world isn't physically showing me that this is true or not. I'm just mm-hmm. getting a feeling. Am I crazy or should I listen yeah. to that feeling? That's really common. It's so common to question ourselves and doubt that because primarily, yes, we do love our evidence. We love to have proof that we are right. But in, when I'm talking about, you know, vibrational frequencies, that's not something you're going to physically get any evidence for. I started working with uh, one of my mantras is I don't know what's going on, but I know something is going on. And that little statement allows me to trust myself even in, even without having proof. And so what I do is I just hold myself in that space of I'm just going to watch for a little while until I have proof. And every single time, eventually, the person gives me evidence that I was correct. You don't have to make up your mind immediately. You can just kind of hold on to it. Unless it's like a life and death situation or you're or I mean, obviously, or or like something is at risk. Either it be money or family members or health or something, unless you feel at risk by something. And somehow, you know, where there's going to be a consequence if you don't take action right away. Yeah, and that's always a, a shot in the dark anyway, right? That's that's the whole risk of being a human anyway is is going with your gut and trying your best. And we don't always get that right. And sometimes we mess up. But, you know, that builds character, if you want to say, because what you do with it after you mess it all up and you stand up and you dust yourself off, then you learned from it. And now you can you can either beat yourself up over how much you messed it up or you can learn from it. And begin to build the trust of self even more by looking at it and going, okay, I did feel that and I didn't listen. So next time I'm going to work on listening. Right. And this is for everybody. It's not just for the answer. Normal people that are, you know, I just define myself like I am a little bit of a medical empath. Like I've diagnosed people just by looking at them because my feeling comes over and Mm -hmm. I've saved my friend's life once. Um, nice. He thought he had food poisoning, but I said, no, it's your gallbladder. And I know nothing about gallbladders. Like I don't know anything about gallbladders. Oh, that's so, incredible. so I, my friend Evan was like, I'm throwing up. I don't feel well. It could have been a flu. Like, obviously I'm like, no, it's your gallbladder. And within 24 hours he had his gallbladder taken out. Oh my god! And gosh. I don't know why I knew that. I just seem to know that. I don't know why or how that came into my head. Because I would, mm-hmm. I don't know really much about that part of the body, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like I've never, thank God, have experienced having mine out or my my family. So I just knew it was something. I don't know why I said gallbladder. I didn't Google it or WebMD it. And right. so, um, you know, he you know he was feeling sick. I said just go to the hospital, and you know he lived far away, and he got it. You know he had it taken out, and I thought that was kind of a weird thing that, but I didn't even doubt myself. Not one second did right. doubt myself. So, well, intuition isn't the same thing as logic and education, you know, because you even even if you knew a lot about the gallbladder, let's just say, you know, you were a med student, blah, blah, blah. Your intuition will still jump at you and it'll say this is what it is. 
So it's different than the brain part of us. It's different than the thinking part of us. Intuition is in, is instant. It's especially when it's life and death like that. It'll be very loud and very direct, and it's getting your attention. So I'm glad you listened. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I just, I just felt like it was like I don't know. I sometimes will, that will happen, not often, but something will just like bam at me. I'm like, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I was far enough away from it and close enough at the same time to make, to be clear. So, but right. I, I doubt a lot of my, um, I doubt a lot of stuff sometimes like about people, like the first impression I will get of somebody and then they'll be nice or something. And then I'll be like, oh, they weren't really nice or they mm-hmm. weren't as good as a, of a person, you know, that they pretended to be because my intuition was they weren't. Or not, I mean, or their their soul was bad or something. I don't want to say their soul was bad, but their soul wasn't, you know, didn't have its highest purpose, I guess, <laughs> to be nice. I mean, there's a lot of people in the world with dirty motives and, and they're out to get certain things that harm others. I mean, that's just, that's navigating human life. That's just the way it's going to be. But being able to feel that, that's what I mean by, I don't know what's going on, but I know something's going on and it's okay if you don't trust it every single time, I don't trust it every single time. But when you can get into that space where I don't know what it is, but I'm going to go ahead and try and listen and just be present with this person and watch them a little bit more closely to get a little bit more evidence, eventually you start realizing that you are correct. So um, why don't you talk, t- talk a little bit how you develop your gifts and um, and how you trust them? like where you could tell people this is who I am mm-hmm. <laughs> where I would be yeah. like, well, I'm an empath. And I, I talk to people online, be like I'm an empath, like, you know, like guys on me and like, mm-hmm. what, you know, some, some are very spiritual. Some don't get it. Like, Ew, what's that? Do you have a disease? You know? <laughs> so. Oh my God. That'd be horrible. I'd probably smack them. Um, well, everyone's intuitive. Everyone has their own style. I call it, they have their own magic. Empaths feel clairvoyancy, Clear audience here, clear cognizance, no. We all have our own variation of these intuitive gifts. So you're born with it, number one, right there, already out of the womb, there you are. The next step is to embrace it and work on it because it is innate, but life has a way of beating us down and making us doubt and and we're afraid to be called weird and we don't want to, you know, be special when we're younger. So we put it down and we deny it a lot. And when we become adults, we may want to have access to that, but it's been beaten down so so deeply that it's too like bruised to come out. It doesn't want to come out and play. So it does take a little bit of work and practice. A lot of that is education. Read okay. about it. Get on. Google it. Just start Googling that shit because when you start understanding terminology and then realizing also that you're not the only one in the world, you'll stop acting so like feeling like you're such a freak and you'll see that there's some validation in the world that starts to cultivate trust and trust is such a beautiful thing to have for ourselves. But that's the number one thing that we beat down. So it's like before we can touch our intuition, we have to heal our relationship with trust with ourselves, not with other people, with ourselves. So trusting your own self is the first step Mm -hmm. to trusting your intuition. So from there, one trusts themselves. Like there are a lot of empaths that get, well, I guess we'll, well, I'll I'll save that for a second. But, um, so how can you give some tools to trust yourself? Like 
let's just give our listeners or and me yeah. <laughs> um, some tools that we could uh, trust ourselves and our instincts yeah. and um, how to like, and even if the world isn't showing us specifically that something's off, like how can we specifically, you know, trust ourselves without proof just by feeling and, and be okay yeah. with it. So the first, I'm gonna, this is going to be just a crash course, so I highly recommend opening up Google Leader and everybody look at these terms. So the very first thing I always tell everyone, regardless if you're empathic, is to ground. Grounding gives you stability. Grounding gives you an anchor to leverage against all of these crazy energies that are coming towards you. Okay, and grounding. I'm going to put that. Grounding. G-R-U-N-D-E-D. I know they think I spell terribly, mm-hmm. but I could spell that. Yeah. Okay. Just like the ground, like ground you're standing on. And then the next thing you're going to want to do is center. Centering is opening up the upper facilities of you, your crown chakra, your third eye, the the higher mind of the human, you're opening up to source. So what you're doing is you're establishing a connection with your source, whatever you want to call that, God, goddess, whatever. Jesus or God or anything you believe in. Yeah, it in. doesn't matter. Most, right. Right. Yeah, it's, Buddha. It's that spiritual component. Exactly. It's the spiritual component. Grounding feeds the human component. Centering feeds the spiritual component. Now you've got a human that is anchored in both worlds, which we are a spirit having a human experience. So now you're feeding yourself. That's going to bring you into an alignment with who you really are without you really even understanding it. You don't have to understand that. It's just about being willing. Then moving into the trust, this is the number one thing empaths have a hard time with. Trust. Trust. Well, it's trusting, but also recognizing when you feel something. So my favorite question, anytime something comes into your field, how does this make me feel? How do I feel about this? We hardly ever ask ourselves that question. And so what happens is we end up ignoring all of the feelings, pushing them down, putting our head down and trying just to get through life. So we're, we're, we're numbing ourselves out so that we can survive. That is not the space an empath thrives in. We right. must be connected, right? Well, that's, where that's interesting. Super- Numbing is that's where addiction comes in and yep. substance yep. abuse, sex, dependency, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of eating, shopping, sex, wine, it doesn't matter. It's to satiate that disconcerting feeling that grounding and centering provides. That's why those two will always be the first things for me because it prepares me to receive information. I feel strong. I feel connected. I'm ready. And then when the feeling does wash over me, I've got to ask myself, how does this make me feel to connect to my body? Not even just my emotions, because if, if an empath is smart, right? And this is part of the skill building practice that I do with my clients Start noticing where certain emotions land on your body. Where do you feel them? Where do you, do you feel it in the throat, the gut, the heart, the back, the shoulders? If you start seeing these patterns, you start getting information that that emotion hits that part of your body. You'll start understanding your signals. Mm. You'll start being able to navigate based on your physical body and then your emotions telling you how to navigate and what to what to stay away from and what to go towards okay that's part of the wisdom so um so let's say so when so it's very interesting because i was you went to you know acting class acting school for my my whole life and the first thing they did was the grounding center alignment were all things we had to do 
before class, before we could <laughs> nice. go on stage or do a scene or do a monologue. It was it was like we're gonna ground ourselves and with this exercise, and we're gonna find we're gonna center center and grounding were very important. <laughs> And awesome. then, and then finding alignment in the body. It was very interesting that these are three things that they teach actors, you know, in class and and, well, and before they even open their mouth to do a part or a scene, and they become right. somebody else. Well, they want you to embody. You need to embody yourself. You need to be present because a person that is not embodying themselves, their mind and their attention is always outside of themselves. And for empaths, that's a big deal because. We're all so concerned with how everyone thinks about us. We're trying to make everybody happy. And all of that work takes us out of our center. It takes us outside of ourselves. So nobody's home. The lights are on, but nobody's there. So we are not paying attention to how we feel. That's where we get lost when we're too busy in the outside world trying to make everybody okay. Right. Being a caretaker when we need to take care of ourselves. Exactly. So when, how if we're in a, in a situation where we're, we're trusting ourselves and our, and our energy, but then we act the opposite because of other, re, of other forces, not because we don't trust ourselves, but we're acting, um, other than yeah. with that truth or that, us uh, or that feeling. What, what happens then? Do we get sick? Do we it, it's, wear down? Yeah. It's a case-by-case kind of thing, honestly. It's going to depend on the person. But there are times when we don't feel worthy of taking care of ourselves. We may have um, kind of a martyr archetype or um, that one that does not feel value. And so even though we see this as not the best choice, we feel compelled to abuse ourselves. Sometimes that's a big factor. Um, The inner saboteur is a very big deal. We, we almost are craving the drama, craving the breakdown. There's a lot of there's a lot of shadow work to be done around those areas because there's something about humanity. Everybody has this weird thing where I know this is what's going to work for me, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do the opposite. And it's all and it's a different reason for every person. So self-sabotage is definitely an issue. I mean, for me, I know it is. It's a terrible mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so how do we avoid the saboteur, the the archetype of the saboteur, and you know, and and live in in like real light and truth, so we can grow as humanity and people and ourselves and in our own body, you know, our own truths. I don't. I think people also follow narratives of what they think they should be, yeah. like either be a you know politics or a certain religion, but people are following the narrative of another of somebody else. So they'll fit, they'll try to fit all the characteristics of that one of that one box into their lives. And they may not be that person. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see what you mean. That that, to me, that's a, a, an adaptable personality type, a type where they're trying to fit in um, because it's a safety issue. We've learned as children to adapt and shift because if we are a part of the group, we're not standing out and kids, when we would stand out, we would get picked on. So it's a very deeply learned trait of trying to adapt and shift so that we're safe. So that that's to be understood right there. Just speaking about it makes it aware, like it brings it into the forefront. And then honestly, it's about creating a relationship with your own self-awareness, being able to watch yourself, ask yourself questions. I love being in the question. Like if I see myself trying to sabotage all of a sudden, 
what am I doing? What is my need right now? Why, why do I feel compelled to do this? Pause for a moment and really get real with yourself and ask the real questions. Sometimes you can walk yourself back from almost sabotaging, but these are all really, these are really amazing, deep skill building kind of exercises that honestly, I feel like we all need across the board. Oh, everybody, everybody. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know so many, myself, I self-sabotage. I know so many people who don't, who self-sabotage. Um, it's like people who go on a, you know, they, they want to eat really well and then they purposely eat like I have pizza <laughs> and they know they right. should, they want, they're not going to feel good, but why would they do that? They don't, you know, they're feeling, obviously feeling a need. Like I had an eating disorder for many years. Um, I was, you know, bulimic and anorexic and, um, so I know what that's like, like you're doing really well and then you self-sabotage your like, not, right. you know, your health for something else because some other need isn't being met and then you end up getting really sick <laughs> and exactly. or you're around people that make you sick. Like literally I've been around people that literally make me ill and I can't be around them because they make me sick, physically sick mm-hmm. to the point where I have to go to a doctor or get medicine, <laughs> you know? It's not just, uh, yeah, you know, I don't feel so good. I'm like, oh, God, I have to lay down. I think I have to go to the doctor. <laughs> so I think it's like, I think we, these are yeah, skills. Those are, but some people are so hard, they don't feel anything. That You know, that's the difference. Right. Well, those are the things to watch for, honestly. If you're around, like I love pattern work. I want to see the patterns in my life. So if I'm hanging out with a specific person and every time I leave them, I feel shitty, I need to start asking why. What is going on? So then the next time I have lunch or dinner with that person, I'm going to want to pay attention. What do I feel? At first I ground and center and I get really into my body. And then I just watch that person. What's going on? Why do I feel that crap every time I walk away? Because they could be draining you without you knowing it. And and honestly, without them knowing it. They, they're, they're, they don't always go after people with the motive to harm. Sometimes they're just, kind of the codependent leechy kind of people where they don't mean to hurt you, but they're trying to get love just like everybody else. And they're doing it in a way that's not clean. So it's time to pay attention to those relationships and then be appropriate with yourself. Start giving yourself some distance from those people so that you're not giving them all all that you have every single time because it will harm you. Right. It will. Because more and more and more and more, you spend time with energy suckers or people that are taking from your energetic field and your your mm-hmm. light, you're going to get sick. It just happens right. like that. Right. It, it's just the way it is. It's all reciprocity. We're giving and receiving all the time. It's up to you of whether or not you want to keep receiving that and if you want to keep giving them everything you have. It really needs to be taken care of. Now, a lot of, this is another thing that I've read about and we've talked about a little bit prior to this, that empaths usually, um, narcissists feed off the empath. Yes. So, um, then I've read a lot about that as well. And you see that a lot on the internet. Um, it pops up on Facebook. I don't know, for some reason, my Facebook, it's mm-hmm. like narcissists, like feed on empaths. <laughs> it's Constant, everywhere now. It's everywhere yeah. now. People are hearing narcissists. So, um, narcissism is a personality disorder. It's not, is that a spiritual disorder it's, or it's, it's a narcissistic personality is a personality disorder. So like sociopaths uh, yeah. and psychopaths, yeah. correct? Right. Right. So 
so these are very, these are non-spiritual disease. I mean, not saying they're non-spirit. That's the wrong way to put it. These are diagnosable diseases. Like, yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with their intuition or their spiritual affiliation. Like it, it's a disorder. It's, it's, it's psychological. It's yeah. It's personality. So then we take an empath, which is more of a, it's not a diagnosis. No one's like going to the psychiatrist and being like, you have empathy. You need to clonopin, you know, like, like, (laughs) no, you need to be tranquilized 99% of the day. That's me. They try to do that if they don't understand, but right. yeah, no, that's not what they're doing. You've been, you know, been hospitalized 26 times in three years for panic attacks. I think it's time you are medicated because exactly. the healthcare system too much money. Um, that that's true. That did, that did happen to me actually. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, it was, uh, I was, you know, it started like 14 years ago. I was getting panic attack after panic attack, after, like nonstop. It was like it was wow. very, it was like a few years after nine eleven. I was living in Midtown Manhattan, and I'd walk out of my apartment and see, literally see machine guns. You know, soldiers with the machine. It was scary. I guess the the subliminal messages okay. were scary that I'm in yeah. danger. And one night I just snapped, and I was shutting. But the thing is, I was shutting down prior to snapping. I was just shutting down, shutting down, and then I just snapped and had to go to the hospital, and then. It, it escalated from and the panic attacks really didn't stop for many years. Mm-hmm. They still come, they still come, but not as, you know, uh, they're not as bad, but they were bad right. for a long time. And, um, so now I'm trying to like sort of, uh, be in a different place in, you know, be more aware and be more present and it feels more painful. <laughs> Everything's just more painful lately. And, um, mm. I, do sometimes get attracted to narcissists, but then I'm aware that the narcissists uh, immediately. Yeah, I think. But when you know you go to the okay. doctor, they're not telling you, "Well, you're an empath. You should stay away from those personality disordered people uh, that aren't getting help." You know, because so, some people I have some friends that do have that, and they're okay. But mm-hmm. specifically, like um, sociopaths, narcissists, and psychopaths are very dangerous people. I mean, borderline people are different because they're more like just create emotionally, you know, it's more about them, but the other people really suck dry. Right. Other people. Yeah. They suck. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the thing about a sociopath or a psychopath, and I'll put narcissists in there too, but the mm-hmm. sociopath and the psychopath, narcissists don't hide as well. Their narcissism, it kind of comes out. But the other two are like shapeshifters, I believe. They could be the sweetest, nicest people, uh, charismatic, obviously, but also, you know, just, you know, seemingly very nice and then do horrible things. Right. And yeah, they don't they don't have the grandiose kind of personality trait that you see in the narcissist. So they're they're a little bit more covert, like they have motive they have motives and they're doing something. And, and of course we're speaking generally because I do know narcissists. I even know a sociopath that is a, a recovering, you could quote unquote that one. Um, <laughs> but it, they, they just have different personality traits you have to watch for. And that's, again, that's where education comes into play. So what are some of those personality traits that some of our listeners who are just, you know, could look out for when it comes to, uh, Mm-hmm. A socio or psychopath. I know they're different, but they're similar. I, I think only one seems more yeah, scary. Yeah, they me. have different. Um, yeah, they're. Um, 
I don't know the psychopath and the sociopath as well as I do the narcissist, um, primarily because I work with so many empaths and they're, they're a little bit more rare than the narcissist. Um, seems like this grandiose egocentric person is freaking everywhere in our world right now. But anyway, um, (laughs) psychopath and the sociopath are more covert. They're, they're loners, but they can also be very, um, charming and, and talk you into things and they can be romantic and, um, love bomb you. Like there's a, there's a lot going on and it's hard. Like I, I want to be careful of my words because I don't want to one categorize right. and then and, I don't want to minimize. Right. Yeah. Well, love bombing okay. is when you meet somebody and they just tell you how great you are. They love you. Oh, they yeah. romance you. It's like Shower boom, boom, you. boom. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I want it kind of dizzy makes you dizzy because it's just so much. And, and all three of those categories have a tendency to target. I don't know why, but they have a tendency to pick up on the empath. And I think it's math. The empath loves and the other three want to take that love. And so there's this perfect math connection of, hey, I give it great. I want it. And then there's this beautiful connection in the beginning, but then eventually once the empath is hooked and they get into it, then they start losing their sense of self. And that's when the gaslighting happens and, you know, you're crazy and then the love bombing and then the, it just gets really complicated. And then abandonment. And And then then abandonment. But then when the narcissist abandons the person, it's so interesting when we talk about this on an energetic level. So let's just say you have an empath and a narcissist and let's say hypothetically they dated, but then they broke up and the empath immediately starts feeling better. And they may not attribute that to why they feel better, but it's because the, the narcissist hook is not in them anymore. And I mean that on a literal astral level. I don't mean this in a woo-woo emotional psycho babble crap. They are hooking into their frequency to keep them enslaved with them, keeps them hooked. And then when they break up and they leave and then the empath gets healthier, that's why they get their vitality because the hook is no longer causing a leak in their bubble. In but, their energy field. But then they also miss the narcissist. It's not like they're like, wow, thank God that so, person left. But then they have this like panging still for the, the narcissist sometimes. Well, I think breakups like that in general, yeah. But there's also during the relationship, there was a mutual feeding. I, this is this is where we're getting into. It's not cookie cutter. So it just depends. No, that's okay. But that's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's it's hard to, to nail it down to a... Of course, um, everyone's different. Every situation is different. Yeah. You know? Exactly. But yeah, they'll miss them because they miss, you know, they think something's wrong. And then of course you factor in the gaslighting where, you know, explain what gaslighting is. Some people don't know. Gaslighting is, is where someone is always blaming you for things or calling you crazy. Like they'll do something and you catch them and then they talk you out of it, making you think that you're crazy and you believe it. Right. For instance, like it could be as simple as like, it's snowing outside. And it clearly isn't. And like, there's no, no, there's snow out there. And I'm like, no, it's summer. No, there's snow. It's a weird. And and they make you believe that it's snowing in the middle of summer. I mean, it could be that, that crazy. It could be that insane. You you basically are questioning your reality. And so it, where the empath is intuitive in that innate sense of sense, that feeling it, the narcissist makes the empath question their feelings, which totally throws off their guidance system because now they don't have that connection. 
And so they oh. make a lot of mistakes and they kind of fumble around trying to figure it out. But then it's like you're drowning and the narcissist is there to try to save you, act like they're going to save you, but they keep dunking you underwater just as you gasp. Oh my God, so, that's a great analogy. <laughs> and that's what my guys are showing me right now. I haven't heard that one. I'm like, yeah, that that's perfect because there's swimming out there acting like the savior. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I've got them. But then they're dunking you under every time you get your breath. And like, wait, I thought you were saving me. Why does it feel like I'm drowning? And they're like, no. And then they make you feel crazy for you, even thinking that they were trying to drown you because that's part of the deal. They need to keep you always confused and always on your toes. And, and the empath thing, the empath has to trust. That's their most uh, important gift yeah. is they trust what they're feeling. And once you take that trust out, you're taking their anchor and their grounding away. Exactly. It's horrible math, but that seems to be, that's why there are a million articles out in the world right now about that relationship because it's just the perfect storm. They're so, both feeding each other so volatilely that, oh, it's just, it gets real messy real fast. I mean, I've been in situations like that. I've had friends, a lot of friends in situations like that. How can we protect, how can we avoid it? I mean, because by the time you realize this person's a, nar- a narcissist, it's a lot, it's, it's like you're, you're, you've got, you've been love bombed or you've been involved yeah. or you don't, you know, it's like you're just going, like you're already in it somehow. I, I've noticed that mm-hmm. or they're showing, they're giving you enough of your needs to be met where you, you're happy and then you realize, oh my God, you know, and then they either abandon you or they just keep taking until you mm-hmm. don't have a you're not, you're just a withering away. You know, I've seen that too, where you depress and you wither and you look horrible. You know, that's what I see yeah. a lot of times happen. So because how do we literally draining them? They're draining. They're, they're like, uh, I once had a book called, uh, Vam- An- energy vampires or something. I bought it yeah. a couple. Yeah. I bought it cause I felt drained by somebody and, yeah. um, I didn't know what it was and I read about it. I'm like, Oh, and it was a lot of this dynamic you're talking about, but I don't know if I would have been able to be be avoiding. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would have been able to avoid that uh, specifically. Yeah. Uh, how do we? How do I avoid that? How does anybody avoid that situation? I mean, it's at what yeah. point do you walk away uh, during the love bombing? Someone's like you know loving on you, or or do you do it like at what point do you realize you're being gaslighted because you're you're already gaslighted and you're confused? Well, I feel like. Education, number one, go educate yourself, read everything you can think of. If you think, again, get into how you feel. Every time you're with this person, do you walk away feeling like shit? And like on a level in this context, do you walk away feeling wrong all the time? Even if like, even if you're like in a, even if they're doing all the right things, but you still feel shitty. Yes. Right. On the plane. That's how you know something's wrong. Okay. Because if you. If they're love good. bombing you, but you feel like shit, then that, what's where's the math? That doesn't make any sense. But the empath will go, no, I'm just I'm just crazy, or I'm just tired, or I'm just overly sensitive. If you're beating yourself down to justify why you feel like shit with this person, you need to get some help. Period. Find a therapist, find a friend, somebody you trust. Talk about it. Ask people go to strangers. I don't care. Get somebody that is not involved with your one-on-one relationship with this person and go get some, some bigger information. Go get somebody that has a clear stance and has no invested interest in who you are with this person. Right. Go get a second, a second opinion. Like a doctor. At what point does someone like, what point 
like they're doing someone's all right we'll just do it we'll make a situation up we'll, this person we'll call her uh jane jane's dating uh uh michael and michael okay. is you know he's been doing all the right things he's he's being really sweet to her he's he's love bombing her but he's not overly love bombing her if you know what i mean he's He's mm-hmm. like, I want to meet your mom. I want to take you to a wedding. You know, he's doing nice. And, then she, and they have great sex and they're happy together. Um, but something just starts to feel re- weird and she doesn't know what it is. Jane starts to feel what the hell's going on. At what point does she does she does she take a break from the relationship? Like, what is a tool before she, you know, before things get crazy and mm-hmm. she's drained? Does she decide to stop, you know, the semi seemingly good relationship? Or or take a break from it. How does how do how does one handle that, you know, on a you know on a logical level where it makes sense to her without questioning herself? Because right. how she's walking away from the love of her life, but there's just something's not right, and she can't really right. put a finger on it. So what point well, does she stop? Well, it's okay to question, right? This mm-hmm. is something that there's this uh, misconception in our world, like we should always know what we're doing at all times. It's okay to question. It's okay to say something doesn't feel right. I need a minute. So maybe you don't go out every single day of the week. Maybe you have a couple of days to yourself. Maybe you just pull back a little bit and get back into yourself, get back into your grounding and your centering, get that sense of self, get that embodiment. And then think about all of the times you were hanging out with Michael or Jane. She would think about all the times she was hanging out with Michael what changed? What happened? When did it, when did it turn? It was great here, but what changed? And then start reviewing what happened. Did he say something? Did he do something? It could be a look in the eye, Morgan. It could be like someone's look in the eye, the way they look at you. It could be something that weird, something that simple. It can be subtle. Exactly. So basically what you're looking for is you're looking for evidence, not in an obsessive, I need to blame him, but in a I wonder what's going on kind of way, like more of an investigator kind of stance. So you would start really paying attention to those things on your own before you're around him. Don't do it while you're with him because that's when the love bombing takes over. So get some distance, review before you see him next time. And then when you're like, okay, I'm going to watch for that and I'm going to watch for that. And then you go on a date and then you pay attention and then you pay attention to how you feel if you see him do that. And then you're like, holy shit, that was it right there in the moment. And you don't even have to do anything about it. Just catch it. You can't change anything. You can't heal anything if you don't see it. Is so there, you've got to get to that space to see it first. So you, so you, so you observe it, unless you're like your life is in danger and you think he's a psychopath. But <laughs> oh, yeah, right. get the fuck out. <laughs> like that. There was a there was a there was um on Facebook uh this couple made on Facebook and they were and they had two kids. And he killed them, the mother and the two kids. And it looked like, the, and you see the picture and they look like the happiest couple in the world, the most perfect, you know, uh, you know, happy family. And the, the guy just went crazy and killed the whole family. <laughs> I mean, there had to sometimes be signs. Not, sometimes there's not though. See, this is, I don't want to put a lot of fear for people. Sometimes people snap and there are no signs. We can't, you can only do what you can do. You can only be aware so much and trust your intuition and follow that intuition. People have moments where you can't count on it. It's not always, there's not always signs. Right. 
How about, is there a kryptonite question type thing that you can ask a narcissist or someone in that realm? Like, is there something that if you ask them or do, they will walk away or or leave you alone? Is there something that they, I mean, everyone's different, Mm -hmm. but generally that will be like, oh, this person, I can't mess with them. No, because, okay, so no, there's no question that will, that will like out them because here's, in my own personal experience, I've never read this in any article and I just kind of figured this out on my own. A narcissist must win whatever game is in their head. And so that means, like you were saying, no, no, it's really snowing to that narcissist. That's the game and they're going to win and they're going to do anything they can do to win. So... Part of the the checking in with yourself is, are you always being made wrong, even when it's stupid little frivolous stuff? Like, are they always making their point? Are they making fun of you? Are they pointing things out to embarrass you? Because the narcissist must always win, even when it's a dumb, dumb, dumb game. Oh. Dumb game. Like, in in their head, they have to win the game. Like, my ex-husband, narcissist, uh, we divorced when my son was three, so I haven't had a lot of time with him. That's how I figured all this out. Cause I got away. Wow. Um, went back to my son's graduation and in his mind, the game was how can I get my mom to hate her? Oh. So the more she ignored me, the more he smirked and it was all unspoken. There was not a word said in front of me, but she would just avoid me. And every time she did blatantly, he would smirk. And that was when I went right there. That's the game. The game is how can I get my mom to ignore her? And he makes this shit up in his head, but that's, he won. It could be any game. It could be something stupid. It could be something, or it could be, how can I bed this person? This is, um, they're not, you know, I'm going to try to seduce them until they sleep with me and then I'm going to walk away. Or, I mean, yeah, I mean, without saying, I'm only looking for sex. Right. It could without being honest about it. Or it could be, um, how can I make this person fall in love with me and and then walk away or be or how can I make you break up with your boyfriend and go with me? How can I make you think you're stupid right now? How can I make you question your intelligence? How can I? Yeah, it doesn't matter what the game is. It's made up in their head, but they have to win it and they're going to do anything they can do to win it. And that usually means at the cost of your own health, your own feelings. Well, it's funny because I was involved with somebody like that a couple of years ago. And um, it was weird. I And I realized one of the games was they would keep me on the phone and then blame me for keeping on the phone with them. Yes. Like, <laughs> and the, like, like when I talk to you, it's three hours we're on the phone. I'm like, well, you're, you're talking a mile a minute. You haven't stopped. And then I would yeah. feel guilty for some reason. Yes. And then, and then, so then, then recently, you know, we stayed friends, you know, and the, the relationship kind of like dissipated, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's okay now, but I'm aware, I wasn't aware of these things. And then what happened was, and this person's always working on their spiritual growth. So I, I don't know what that means necessarily, but they're always quoting, you know, gurus and stuff or, you know, <laughs> which is annoying, but, bullshit. um, but not, it's not coming from themselves. It's not it's like, probably bullshit, it's all bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. You don't jerk off and then quote Deepak Chopra. Anyway. Um, that's a true story anyway. Uh, but, um, he, um, basically, yeah, he actually, uh, FaceTime me and, and then started quoting Deepak Chopra, Marion Williamson. Uh, so I okay. feel bad that, yeah, that's, I don't know what that was about. 
but he was in a little naughty. It's awkward. It was very awkward. <laughs> he was he was like I don't know he's a nor I don't he didn't I don't would say he's definitely a narcissist, but he was sick, and um he would change he would do the, a lot of gaslighting not not extreme but he would try to make me feel wrong about very uh, facts and always acted s- smarter than me because I don't always like you know people don't always think I'm smart but. Um, but this person didn't go to college. Not that that means anything because you could be a genius and not go to college, but they weren't in the education system at all. So what do you know about, you know, grad school? You don't know anything about that stuff. You know, you've never even gone to undergrad. And then, Mm -hmm. and then the person would, um, now then I realized that the phone thing was interesting. It was, it's stupid. Again, a stupid game. But, um, if I, I would always, so whenever I was on the phone with this person, I'd be like, all right, I want to make sure I get off the phone first, even if the conversation's fun and I'd be, and I wasn't to, to win, but I noticed that like, I would say, oh, I, you know, it's, you know, I better go, I have to go to the gym or I have to go do something. The person would try to keep me on the phone a little bit longer. So then they could be the one to end the conversation. And it was very mm-hmm. weird. And I noticed it happened a couple of times. And it was very stupid. It yeah. was a very stupid game, but it was. I was. I was like onto it. I was like, oh, okay. And I would do it to test it. Like I would actually test him, and I was always right about it. Like, and I eventually just snapped that's out of it. the. Yeah, and yeah, uh, that's it. Those are things to watch for because that's that's again to the. And rest he of was the- an extreme. He and he did love bomb me in the beginning. By the way, right. Yeah. But to the rest of humanity, those are stupid things to even talk about. Like, oh, my God, this is such a waste of time. We just part of their MO, I think. They they make it seem stupid so that we're like, oh, that's dumb. That's a that's a dumb reason to argue. But in their mind, they're like, yeah, I won. And they're like doing their little notch over here. Like, yep, one for me. Right. And I knew I started seeing it. And it wasn't like we were new. And like, you know, when you first start talking to somebody, you don't want to be like the one. You know, they always tell you, get off the phone first. You know, and like mm-hmm. they give you that stupid dating advice but like it wasn't even that at this point we were talking about you know heavy things and stuff and it was years so it was like all right so we're on the phone for three and like i'd feel start to feel bad about myself that i'm like you you know like i didn't keep you on the phone no one kept you on the phone with me i didn't like take you hostage you're talking to me about your job (laughs) and then i had to like really let the friendship go and then now this person sort of just like I would say is a friend to me on a distance and doesn't do that. Like, cause I don't allow it anymore. Right. Well, that's the key, but I noticed Healthy I didn't boundaries. feel good. I did that's speak to the person once I recently and I felt bad after the conversation. Like I didn't make me feel well, good. Right. Right. Cause the empath will always feel guilty when we enact our boundaries, even though we know it's the right thing to do. We feel bad because it, we feel like we're hurting their feelings. Right. That's what makes us so easy that we're easy targets. So that's why, that's why the narcissist can come after us so damn easy because we're like, I have boundaries. I'm so sorry. Is that okay? I have boundaries. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Like make your mind up. Like we've, you're going to feel guilty, but do it anyway. I know I, I've learned, I'm, I'm doing that now and it's with, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's hard, especially when you meet new yeah. people and you're dating and you know, people are shy and you don't know where they're coming from and, I think it, actually the strangers have been easier to k- create boundaries with because I don't know yeah. anything about them. So it's coming from a more, yeah. there's no like backdrop or something. I don't know. It just seems easier. You but can start fresh. Yeah. Right. I don't feel, you know, no one's trying to guess. I don't allow the love bombing. 
and the reason why I don't allow the love bombing is because I was in a, I was in program for sex and love addiction. So that's a there's something called SLAD. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's sex mm-hmm. and love addict. It's an, it talks all about this stuff, and a lot of empaths are in, end up in the program because they end up, you know, or you know, in these situations exactly like we just talked about with the same terminology as well, uh, love bombing and and being you know and codependency and all that stuff in the psychological realm and the addiction realm. So it's all connected. And this is just a spiritual way of looking at it for what you do. Now, like, though, so we have another few minutes. I wanted to talk about very specifically, so people, if they want help, they want to get a coach, someone to really help them on their spiritual plane, on their empathetic plane, on their, you know, wh- how can you help them? Um, you've helped me. So how would you be able to help a listener that probably needs this, you know, in their, to make them stronger and sort of, because uh, I'm sure you don't only don't work, you work with all kinds, of, not just empaths, I'm assuming. You've worked oh, with yeah. Oh yeah. No, the, the coaching that I do hits any area where you feel like you need some, just some extra help, some terminology and some, some education around. So, uh, what I do for people is I have on my website, a, a complimentary consultation and it's a 45 minute conversation where we basically just sit down and talk about where you're struggling, what you would like your you know end result to be, what are your goals? Where do you feel like you, you need a little help and then I explain how I can help you with that. So honestly, it's it's kind of just this profiling assessment of what are you bringing to the table? Here's what I bring to the table. And then you get to decide if that sounds like that's something for you. Because I'm not a high-pressured person. It has to align for you or it won't work for us. And so I just offer what I offer. And um, But then I can also do more of a um, intuitive reading kind of thing, which is just a snapshot in time. And it's a it's just a one session thing where I can give you guidance, what your guys are saying. I can look at your body and see where you're stuck in your your energy flow, your chakra system. Like it can go weird. It can go anywhere it needs to go. And I trust every single bit of it. So I do, too. The, the whole foundation is just really about supporting you in your highest good, whatever you need right now. And um where can they find you? Because uh, can you give them your your what you have? You spell your name Morgan, but you spell it in a different way. M O R R I G H A N. Right? Is that right? Am yeah, I, right? I think you. I think you blacked out. It's M O R R I G H A N L Y N N E dot com is my website. Okay. All of my services are listed there. Yeah, the consultation, the scheduling is there. It's pretty user friendly. I try to keep things easy. But then, of course, I'm available if you need support or have questions about it. Yeah, I, I, I had a session with Morgan the other day. I will talk a little bit about it before we go. And she knew my throat chakra was just a mess. <laughs> um, First thing I got, I was like, oh. I and she didn't it. know about my streptococcus. Uh, they all know. But, uh, yeah, she knew that my throat chakra was. And, and tell them what, what that means a little bit, like how you were able to see that and what that means for me. Yeah. The first thing I do when I connect to somebody, I actually like having very little information about a person because I don't want to be led. The brain is a tricky organ. If I know too much about you, it it tries to fill in the gap. So when I connect to a person right, right away, I actually can see <laughs> this is going to get really weird. I see the chakra system. And for me, the chakra system tells me the story of what you have been doing lately or where the energy is stuck. Because whether you guys know it or not, your body is giving you indications that something's wrong. That's why we'll get a sore throat or a stiff low back or our heart is just heavy and we can't breathe. 
Oh it's God, it's me that. every day. <laughs> yeah, it's not always that. See, the physical ailments. The not physical always AIDS. Issues, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my God, no. <laughs> the physical ailments can be traced back to the chakra. And so the chakra tells me what's going on with you. And if we can alleviate and deliver the message it has for you, then the chakra relaxes and your body will go back to, to its normal stasis. Right. And, and since we, we had our session, I feel a lot better, by the way. The back, oh, everything. Oh, awesome. Good. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. So, I mean, I've definitely felt... I mean, it's not like Morgan did anything weird. We just talked. It wasn't like, you know, yeah. scary or... <laughs> You know, she's not like I didn't chant or get out my my drum or anything. I didn't do any, any you know weird weird uh rolling my eyes in the back of the head. Right, and I understood. I and the thing is, I understood your language. Like nothing sounded crazy. Like none of it sounded like for me. I've always been in touch with these kind of like spiritual stuff, but like nothing sounded yeah. weird to me or out of touch. It sounded very much what I needed, and I think there's a lot Good. of people that do need this kind of work. You know. uh it's not far-fetched. It's, you know, it's energetic healing really is what it is. And mm -hmm. we are, mm -hmm. you know, a body. We're, you know, we're not just flesh and blood. We're spirit, especially people who are, you know, believe in spirit. Like we are not just, and that needs to be healed sometimes. And our fields, our energy, you know, we need energetic healing, especially in today's world. Right. You know, there's a lot of negative stuff coming at us all the time. Uh, anger and hatred and, you know, and just combobulation and, you know, a lot of stuff is coming out everyone all the time, even if they don't want it. And I think that when right. we heal our energy field, we, we, we're better citizens and we make a better world and we shouldn't ignore that. Yeah, part of I tell ourselves. people. Right. I tell people that you can't do anything about the waves, but you can definitely learn how to surf. The waves are coming. Life is life. The energy is the energy. We can't do anything about that because that's outside of our control. But the education and knowing your body and knowing these tools and being able to cultivate them, that makes you an incredible surfer to be able to navigate those waves. And so that's where really, that's the middle space where I try to work with people is just giving them some education and something to hold on to when they're, you know, getting beaten down by the waves. Oh, wow. Well, this has been an amazing episode. I'm so happy to have you on. Um, uh, you know, it's a very different type of episode we've had, and I just really wanted to do something like this. And I'm hoping that some people listen and enjoy, obviously, what we had to say and learn about it because I think that these things are, are things that we question. And, you know, I, I sometimes, you know, we tell, you know, we, we're very much telling, you know, jokes and uh talk about stories, you know, and stuff like that. And I think this, this kind of stuff sometimes needs to be addressed as well. And, yeah. um, it's not sad and depressing, but it's just different. It's not, you know, a laugh well, a minute. It's proactive. It's proactive. Yeah. And this is something I needed. It's so proactive. I wanted to, since it's the Pressman hour, I wanted to give this to you guys and, uh, <laughs> and, and give the gift of Morgan Lynn, M O R R I G H A N L Y N N E dot com. I'll post it on Twitter when this comes out in the next week or so. Um, I want to thank you, Morgan. Thank you so much for being mm -hmm. a part of us and, and doing the Pressman Hour and sharing your wisdom and knowledge and uh, your empathy. <laughs> and um, yeah. I, I, I look forward to speaking to you soon. And um, thank you so much for coming on today. And I want to thank our listeners uh, for being so great. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy this as well. And uh, this has been the Pressman Hour. Thank you so much, guys. And have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. 
Well, that was really exciting to um, have a a psychic. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, Angela will be on the next episode, or this might be come out on the same day. But uh, thank you guys, and uh, be well. Love you. Bye. Mm-hmm.